Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of the City of Defeat. Today we will be specifically diving into the Brooklyn Nets and their failed Big 3 project. The Nets had high hopes bringing together three of the game's best players, but as of late we have been watching everything fall apart right before our very eyes. The failed Big 3 saga of the Brooklyn Nets will go down as one of the biggest failures in sports history, and today we will dive deep into it and truly break down the downfall of one of basketball's next great dynasties. I picked the Brooklyn Nets for this episode because it fits perfectly with the theme that me and Dominic uh, explored in episode one. You know, the Nets were a promising team and they fell apart right before our very eyes. I mean, with James Harden departing last year, you know, the Nets had three superstars at the start of last season. And now just one year removed from that, none of those superstars are still there. You know, Kevin Durant was dealt to the Suns just a week prior to this recording, as well with Kyrie two weeks prior to this recording, was dealt to the Mavericks to be paired up with Luka Doncic. You know, James Harden was dealt uh, the beginning of last season. You know, this failed experiment really fits the narrative that we highlighted in episode one, that you just can't buy a championship. You know, you can't bring together all these players and just expect great things to happen. You know, me and Dominic reiterated that many times. And, you know, you need you need role players. You need a lot of things that fit in well. And the Nets couldn't get that done. The Nets front office brought together some of the best players in the game. And even with those additions, they still couldn't bring home a championship. I know it frustrated them, probably. It frustrated the fans. You know, after talking to Ralph for a little bit, you know, it definitely frustrated him for sure. You know, before we talk to Dominic and we talk to Ralph as well, my guest this episode, you know, I just want to highlight the Nets and how this isn't the first time that something like this has happened in their organization, especially recently. You know, the Nets had a failed somewhat big four experiment when they brought in Rondo, they brought in Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce, all from the Celtics. You know, you could say they were removed from their best years, which I would agree they were, but they were still putting up some good numbers on the Celtics up to that point. And the Nets just moved to the Barclays Center and they were looking for, you know, a, some momentum heading into their new arena, new location. You know, they can't. You just came from New Jersey. They're moving to Brooklyn. And they just had a couple superstars, you know. When you bring those guys together, you expect great things to happen. But like I've reiterated many times, you know, you can't buy success. Success comes with chemistry. Success comes with good coaching. Success comes with all of those things. You know, success doesn't come when you just get a bunch of guys, get the best guys available, and just throw them on the, all into a roster. Things like that don't happen. You know, the Nets were, I wouldn't say terrible, but they definitely weren't the best team after the failed Big Four experiment. You know, when they brought in all those big-name guys, they traded away their draft picks for years to come. You know, they really felt the repercussions of that for probably the next eight to ten years when they traded away prospects. Where you'd, you'd think they wouldn't amount to much, but with that pick... The uh, the Celtics ended up getting Jason Tatum from that pick, who's probably one of the biggest names in the sport right now. And definitely the Nets are looking back at themselves, kicking themselves, probably regretting that decision just to get a couple good years from mediocre players. But uh, D'Angelo Russell was there, and he, uh, he led them to the playoffs for one year, and they made it to the playoffs, ultimately lost to 76ers. Didn't really amount to much. But, you know, that was probably the first real time that you saw a decent team in Brooklyn probably since the big four experiment now I really want to dive into the failed big three experiment that we most recently have seen with KD Harden and Kyrie like I've been hinting at you know I'm gonna glance over KD next but first I want to dive into Kyrie Irving and his antics off the court and some of the stuff he's done on the court as well there's been instances where he's flicked off gave the bird flicked the bird gave the middle finger to fans and he said the fans were saying things to him, but as a professional, you can't do stuff like that, and you think he'd know better, but that's besides the fact. Another thing that Kyrie Irving has done, which he's 
really most known for at this point in mainstream media is for uh, his anti-Semitic remarks and him reposting things on Twitter that said that the Holocaust wasn't real, which definitely was a real thing and really not up for discussion, but he actually was asked to revoke those remarks and he doubled down on them saying that he believed it and stuff like that and that resulted in a suspension for him. You know, as we can see, Kyrie isn't very comfortable with the media. You know, he's not really a favorite when it comes to the media. You know, he said some things. You can kind of refer to him as the Kanye West of the NBA, if you could think of that in a sense. Kind of the best comparison I can draw. But, you know, you, as a professional athlete and, you know, a big name in social media, in fact, you can't say things like that. There's things you can and think you can't do with a platform like that. And someone like LeBron James does it well. You know, he really uses his platform, talks about political issues and things like that. And, you know, Kyrie does the just about the opposite. And that's really things you hate to see from someone with a platform as big as his. You know, with Kyrie, it really was never his on-the-court antics, you know. When he played with the Nets, he played great. You know, every game he played, he played great, but he didn't really play much. That's really the problem that we uh, saw with Kyrie, with the whole uh, him not getting vaccinated thing as well. Refused to get vaccinated in the state of New York. He couldn't play in his own home games, which is, is clearly an issue. And with him not getting vaccinated and his remarks that he made really kept him from getting on the floor every night and that was really a big issue that the Nets saw and probably one of the reasons why the saga when he was there. This morning NBA star Kyrie Irving benched in the wake of tweeting about an anti-Semitic film. The Brooklyn Nets suspending Irving for at least five games without pay after he refused to apologize for posting a link to a documentary that denies the Holocaust. Those falsehoods are unfortunate and it's not that I don't believe in the Holocaust. I never said that. You know, when you look at James Harden in this situation, uh, step away from Kyrie, you know, James Harden is kind of the odd man in this, you know, uh, this instance. When it came to Kyrie and KD, it was supposed to be them on that team, and then they basically recruited someone like James Harden because he wasn't happy where he was at in Houston. And, you know, they, James Harden and Kevin Durant played together previously on the Oklahoma City Thunder, where they had some good years, went to the finals, but didn't win. But, uh, you know, James Harden showed up to camp overweight, you know, didn't really fit into the system they were trying to do there. He's a ball-dominant player, and he's playing with two other ball-dominant players. And at that point in his career, wasn't really a good fit for him. And other than that, there's not really much I could say bad about James Harden. When he played, he played well, but he didn't play much because of injuries. But when he did play, he played well. And none of the off-the-court antics really stopped him, much like we see with uh, Kyrie Irving. You know, next we look at Kevin Durant. You know, I can go on for days about Kevin Durant. He's one of my favorite players. But, uh, you know, seeing him in a Brooklyn Nets uniform was was cool to me, you know, it was something I always dreamed of, you know, not really the biggest Nets fan, not really the biggest basketball fan at this point in my life, but as a kid, you know, I grew up and I always wanted to be like Kevin Durant, you know, he was someone I idolized, you know, being tall and skinny, I mean, I'm not seven feet tall, but you understand the comparison I'm trying to draw. You know, KD was uh, coming off those seasons with the Warriors where he won two championships in a matter of four years, you know, some of the best years of his career playing along Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and all those guys. The first year he was in Brooklyn after he signed the contract, he didn't step on the court once that year because of injury. He was coming, he was rehabbing a uh, Achilles injury. And, you know, when you don't play for a season and you miss out on the whole season when you're on a contract like that, it's kind of upsetting. But, you know, KD was kind of the glue on that team, kind of the guy that played every night, played as much as he could. And in, if it was up to me, he's probably the most respected one out of those three because he kind of stuck it out, didn't request a trade like Kyrie Irving. He kind of got dealt because everything was going downhill. But, uh... He played well, and he did what he needed to do, and he really put some respect on Brooklyn. And if you ask most Brooklyn Nets fans, he's probably the most respected of the three, and rightfully so.
Now I'd like to introduce to you my guest, Brooklyn native Ralph Mussolino. Ralph is a Brooklyn native and an avid basketball fan. Ralph lives just minutes from the Barclays Center where the Nets play their home games. Ralph avidly watches basketball and thoroughly enjoys watching the Nets. Ralph can give us a unique insight of someone who is a fan and has also grown up just minutes from the stadium the Nets call home. All right, Ralph, so who is to blame for the downfall that took place in Brooklyn? So in my opinion, I feel that it's either between Kyrie and KD. All of their off-the-court problems really like affected their time on the court together. The three of them, Harden, Kyrie, and Durant, didn't play enough games together for where they could establish a bond and get some chemistry to make a deep playoff push. That's why they had trouble. Do you personally think it's possible to quote-unquote buy a championship like you see in New York sports? I feel that it could work if you bring in the right guys to do it, the right leaders or the right young pieces around the guys that you pay for. But in Brooklyn's case, I don't think it worked. You know, they showed twice with the Pierce, Garnett, and Rondo trade back in 2017, I believe. That trade, they they tried to win it by a championship then, and it didn't work, and it didn't work this time either. Could the Nets have had a shot this season if KD and Kyrie stayed together? Not as much Harden because he left earlier, but in KD and Kyrie's case, you think they had a shot if they stayed together? I believe they had the right talent around them. They had a lot of wing depth and a lot of shooters to help in case they did get doubled, and I believe that team was good enough to make a deep playoff push and win a title, but we'll never know now. What are your personal opinions on Kyrie and all of his off-the-court antics and stuff like that? You know, personally, I'm a big fan of Kyrie's game. I think he is one of the premier superstars in basketball. But, you know, it's hard to defend a guy who every couple of months you see in the news for saying or doing something non-related to basketball, which it's hard to build around that when you have a lot of off-the-court problems. Thanks, Ralph. I really appreciate your insight, you know, getting the point of view from someone who lives in Brooklyn and is a Brooklyn Nets fan. It's a pretty cool point of view I can get from you. Now moving on, uh, I'd like to move on to Dominic and ask him what he thinks. So, Dom, what do you think was the biggest reason the next great big three in Brooklyn fell apart? I want to hear your take on the situation. In my opinion, I feel that the Brooklyn Nets fell apart because there was literally no chemistry. You had three ball-dominant players in Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden playing on the floor at the same time. When you have situations like that, someone is not going to get the ball as much because you just can't. There's not enough time in the game for that to happen. So with that, someone is going to be upset, and this causes conflict. You also had Kevin Durant reportedly telling management that he would leave if the coach Steve Nash is not fired, basically saying it was him or the coach, and Brooklyn ended up firing Nash. This is a huge issue as Kevin Durant is forcing management into decisions. When a player like that has that much power to make those kinds of decisions, it can be trouble. Last hour, we had detailed some of the drama surrounding Kyrie Irving and that Ben Simmons wasn't going to play tonight against the Bulls. That was just the beginning of what is now a chaotic day for the Brooklyn Nets. Absolutely. Maybe unexpected. Just seven games into the season, the Brooklyn Nets have decided to fire head coach Steve Nash. It is our breaking news, and apparently it was a mutual Also, decision. Durant, Irving, and Harden only played 16 total games together due to injury and other circumstances. So that didn't really help the chemistry either. When you have three star players on your team, most of your money is going to be allocated to them, leaving not a lot of money to go around for depth pieces, which can greatly affect the team. If a star player gets injured, it will be hard to replace him if there's no depth behind him. You have the inability, you can't buy role players. 
you know, role players are a pivotal point in most championship teams. You have players who don't do as much on the score sheet, but they do a lot of stuff that's not really seen on the score sheet. So when you had KD, Kyrie, and Harden on the same team, you couldn't really find any good role players to put around them. You know, in a case like my favorite team, the New York Mets that I always bring up, you know, they have guys who aren't getting paid much that are just role players on that team that, you know, play 100 out of the 162 games a season, and they do their job, and they really do stuff that doesn't really show up in the stat sheet. One that comes to mind is Mark Canna, who's probably going to end up being the starting left fielder this year, who doesn't do anything particularly great, but he does everything. He's very well-rounded. He does everything good, and that's something that you need when you have superstars around you, like the Mets have Lindor and Pete Alonso and stuff like that. You know, when the Nets had KD, Kyrie, and Harden, they didn't really have anyone around them to mesh them together like a role player. So that was an issue that they saw on that team as well. Another thing, Dom, is do you think it was more of the off-the-court antics, or do you think it was more of three ball-dominant players not being able to put their egos aside and, you know, play together as a team? I think it was more of three ball-dominant players not being able to put their egos down and play together. Because when you put three players of this caliber together, they're going to all want the ball. And when one of those players doesn't get the ball as much one game, that's going to cause almost like a jealousy type of problem. All of these players are stars, and they are going to want the spotlight. When you have three stars on the same team, there might not be enough of the spotlight to go around. You know, Dom, I I just have a question for you that I would like to know, because we're both big fans of New York sports, and I really want to get your take on this situation. Do you think the Nets are probably better off without these superstars? I mean, I know they're some of the best players in the world, some of the best players that ever played the game. Probably all three of them are Hall of Famers for sure. But do you think the the Nets would be better off without them, without all those off-the-court antics from Kyrie, KD saying he's refusing to play, you know, James Harden showing up overweight, everything we already listed? you think it's a good idea they're gone? you think the Nets will be better in the long term? That's a really good question. Honestly, I think Brooklyn is better off now that they traded Durant, Irving, and Harden, just because there was way too much noise surrounding them and a lot of distractions with drama. Brooklyn also got good returns for all of them. Kyrie Irving, in particular, is going to be a free agent this summer, and he would have probably left Brooklyn anyway. So getting the Hall of Draft picks they got is pretty good. Then for Durant, they got four first-round picks and Mikhail Bridges, who's an excellent defender and three-point shooter. For Harden, they got a good amount of draft picks as well. With that being said, I think the future is bright in Brooklyn. Thanks again, Ralph, and thanks again, Dominic, for joining me today when I discussed and dive into the Brooklyn Nets and their failed Big 3 experiment. I hope everybody enjoyed, and thank you for watching the second episode of The City of Defeat. And it's been Justin, and with guests Dominic and Ralph, have a good one.